Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it's a good day to worship the Lord. I know there's a lot of people still coming in, but I do want to go over a few announcements with you. First and foremost, I am not Reverend Joseph Curtis. I am Reverend Andy Watson. Um, I'm the youth minister here, and Joseph is filling in for his wife in Woodruff at her church this morning. And uh, he's the guest speaker there, and I'm the guest speaker here. Um, so I'm glad you're to, here to worship with us. Along those lines, youth uh, is back to regular schedule uh, right now. And our kids also resume their regular schedule tonight. They will meet at 5.30, um, from 5.30 to 7 uh, up here in the regular Sunday night classroom for a Polar Express party. Please let your kids come in their pajamas. That's what Katie has said, so make sure they're warm and fuzzy though because it's probably going to be a little chilly on the ride here. But uh, they're welcome to come in their pajamas. There'll be snacks and uh, maybe hot chocolate. No? Yes, hot chocolate. So... Uh, be sure and, oh, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to keep some things a surprise, apparently. Um, also have another announcement. Beginning tonight, uh, we will be having the Truth Project over in the social hall. It's led by Mike Smith, and if you hadn't seen the flyers for it, they are all over the back table. There's a sign-up desk back there. Be sure and talk to Mike um, before you leave, and uh, I believe registration begins at 515 and then uh, the class will begin at 5.30. Um, so if you're interested in that, um, be sure and check out the information at the back table. I believe that's all the announcements we have for today, so let's get started worshiping our Lord. Will you stand? Let's sing together. Thank you. 
together. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for this the chance to come and worship your name. Lord, we've had a glorious season of Advent and Christmas, and just all of those wonderful things that have happened all back to back in the month of December, Lord. And we've soaked those all in, and we've, we've done your story, and we've read your story, and we've taught your story over and over. But Lord, now in the month of January, let us not forget your story. Let's carry it with us and take it with us through this new year. And Lord, let's not just keep it for ourselves, but let us just to share it with everyone that we meet, Lord. Your glorious, glorious name and your story is what we need to praise. Lord, thank you for the opportunity just to come and be together as fellow Christians and fellow worshipers and just just chance just to praise you and lift you up. In your name I pray. Amen. On a cold star night in Bethlehem, a newborn baby held in her hands and oh, we know how story. Tight laid in the hay, stars shining bright like the break of day, and oh, we know how the story goes. Did you ever stop to think, wonder what was on their minds as it all sank in and they began to cry? And the tears fell down as rain. Joseph kept watch with a careful eye. Mary sang a sweet lullaby. And the tears fell down as rain. Shepherds with their flocks lying on the ground. Angels burst forth with a heavenly sound. And oh. We know how the story goes. 
headed to the nearby town At the foot of the manger they fell to the ground And oh, we know how the story goes Did you ever stop to think Wonder what was on their minds As it all sank in And they began to cry And the tears fell down their streams And the tears fell down their streams Shepherds worshipped with hands held high Asleep the baby opened his eyes And the tears fell down their God sent down his son in the form of a man. This was all part of the master's plan. And oh, we know how the story goes. He grew up strong in the blink of an eye. From the day of his birth, he was destined to die. And oh, We know how the story goes. Did you ever stop to think? I wonder what was on his mind as his son was born and God began to cry. And the tears fell down as free. The tears filled out his praise. For his children below, he sent his son to die. But on this night, God watched from on high, and the tears filled out as praise. As the sleeping baby began to cry. Could he hear the echoes of crucified? And the tears fell down as praise. And the tears fell down as praise. And the tears fell down as praise. And the tears fell turn now and greet your neighbor and tell them good morning and children if you'll meet us on the carpet for our children's sermon a pretty loud voice but they told me I had to use the microphone so here we go who knows what this is a Bible mm. a phone book what do you think is in here 
phone numbers. Okay. So do you have one at your house? Does anybody have a phone book at their house? Does anybody still use a phone book? Not really. What's a phone book? I got one of those. <laughs> so suppose I was going to call and order a bounce house to come for us to play in during Sunday school hour. You know those companies that will bring the house, you blow it up, and we can bounce, okay? They did it for Halloween here, that's right. So I need to call them. So what do you think would be the best way for me to get in touch with a man to bring us a bounce house? Should I just get my cell phone out and just start punching in numbers? No? You don't think that would work? I need to look it up in the phone book, right? So do you guys ever have something that you want or you need or you have a question about? Where do you think you should go look up that information about? In the phone? What did God give us that maybe we should look up if we have questions in the Bible, right? Does sometimes does it ever get like, hmm? I don't really want to look and see what the Bible says about this. I think I know what's best, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. Is that, that's kind of, sometimes I do that, right? Yeah. But are there answers to every question that we should have? Should we look in the Bible for those questions and when we need help? Do you think it would be faster to look it up in the Bible than trying it on our own? Much like it would be faster for me to look up the number for a bounce house as opposed to just punching numbers in on my cell phone, right? Yeah. So the next time you have a question or you've got some stuff going on, I want you guys to get with your mom and dad and look up in the Bible and see what the Bible says about it. Okay. Can you guys bow your heads and repeat after me? Dear God, thank you for giving us your word. And help us to please remember when we have a question or a need to look in your word for guidance first. Amen. I forgot to announce that we do prayer cards here. So at this time, if you have a prayer request you don't mind sharing with the congregation, raise your hand and uh, one of the ushers, Bill's back here, if anybody has a prayer request. Anybody? Uh, we got a couple. Okay, good. While I'm waiting, I'm going to make an announcement on behalf of Stephen Kinnett, but he doesn't know I'm going to do this. It takes well over 50 volunteers to make this service happen every Sunday. Um, this is a gym for six out of the seven days of the week. Actually, probably more than that because we'll be using it as a gym tonight. Um, so this all has to be set up, and he is looking for volunteers, uh, anybody who might be interested in doing refreshments or ushering or um, setting up, anything like that. Um, see Stephen Kinnett. He is the 9 a.m. coordinator. And um, I know he would appreciate uh, extra volunteers. Right now, I think he's got it where about everybody's serving tw two months out of 12, two months out of the year. And I'm sure that we would like to be able to get that to be more like one month out of the year. Um, so see him if you have an interest in doing that. Heard a joke. 
<laughs> yeah, um, there was this young boy. His mama was cooking dinner, and he was in the living room. And uh, looking through the old family Bible, you know the ones I'm talking about, like the big ones, you know? Um, it's got all kind of stuff stuffed in it and all that kind of stuff. And he's flipping through there. And his mom hears him gasp. She's cooking in the kitchen. She goes in there and she looks and he's got this Bible laid open, much like this one right here. And there's several big leaves that have been pressed between its pages. And she said, what you got there, son? And he said, I think it's Adam and Eve's underwear. <laughs> now, do we have those cards ready? <laughs> I'll get this side, Bill. Or you already got this side? Okay, good deal. Thank you all for your patience. I do realize this is an important part of corporate worship, sharing our requests with one another so that they can all be heard. And Got everybody's? Oh, got one more. Okay. Joanne, thank you. Let us bow in prayer together. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. I ask, Lord, that you would be with us this day as we seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. May you help us to push all distractions aside and to listen for your voice in the midst of what we are doing here. We are thankful and grateful that your son came and went before us, that we might have so many blessings, one of which is access to your throne room. And we now bring these requests before you. Uh, we ask that you would continue to be with Tom's cancer, which is actually spreading, um, and his body systems are failing. Be with his wife, Margaret, who needs prayer to face the reality of this all. We pray for Laura Dittmar, she's studying. Uh, abroad for the next four months and ask that you would grant her uh, safety in her travels. Be with Marilyn LaFell's suffering. We ask for healing for Dr. T.O. Walker. We lift up prayers for a couple who is in need of your guidance this morning, Lord. We pray for Beverly Bailey, who has lost both of her elderly parents within two weeks. We ask that you would be with Bobby Nicholson as she starts chemo this Wednesday. We continue to pray for a father who's recovering from cancer surgery. And we pray for healing for Liz Farley and for continued prayers um, for Tom Rishforth. Lord, these are our prayers this morning, and we are confident that you are already at work in each of these situations. We ask only that our eyes would be opened to see your presence, to feel your comfort, and if it be your will to be a means of healing in these situations. We offer these prayers in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Today is Epiphany Sunday. I want you to say that word with me, Epiphany. It's kind of a funny word, isn't it? Epiphany. Epiphany. It reminds me of one of my favorite movies from when I was younger. Um, some of you may remember this is called Hook, but it's the story of Peter Pan. It's the one where Robin Williams plays Peter Pan. But there's one part where, where Hook is trying to figure out what he's going to do about the problem of Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. And Smee comes up to him and says, I believe I have just had an apostrophe. And Hook says, uh, perhaps you mean epiphany. And Smee says, lightning has just struck my brain. And of course, Hook says, sounds like it hurt. But really, what is an epiphany? A lot of times we do believe it's something sort of like um, lightning striking our brain or some aha moment. You know, you see it in the cartoons a lot where the light bulb goes off. That's really what epiphany means, but it also means so much more. It, it's it's a, a moment in time when everything changes. And it changes, sometimes it can be a bad thing, sometimes it can be a good thing. But it is a moment when there's a realization that things are going to be drastically different. You solve a problem, or you learn bad news of health or something like that, loss of a loved one. These are all epiphany moments. My children and many of yours had epiphany moments this Christmas morning, you know, this past Christmas. We surprised our, our children. They had no idea that we were going to be leaving and going to Disney World the day after Christmas. This is the look on Caroline's face. And Eli, although not quite awake yet, he's still, really? That's kind of his look. But Caroline was in true shock. But this was an epiphany moment for them. When you're young and, and, and you get the news that you're going to Disney World, that's a pretty special thing. That's something that's changing your life, at least for the foreseeable future. That's the, for them, this was an epiphany. And many of your children with the surprises they got on Christmas morning also have similar experiences. But the truth is, epiphany is more than a word. So oftentimes you'll see it written epiphany, maybe in bold with an exclamation mark at the end of it. Because we really, in the original translation, it's a phrase. We don't have an actual English word that captures the idea of epiphany. But it basically is sudden, surprising action which changes things forever. That's just the basic outline in the Greek of what that word means. Now, for Christians who would adopt that word... For this day, this Sunday, this time of year when we consider how the wise men came, they had their epiphany. And actually we'll look at a little bit later how the other scriptures from today, from the lectionary, also reveal epiphanies. The church adopted it and said this is God in action. Surprising, intricate, often miraculous action. Working to change things forever in the world and in our own lives. That is what epiphany is for us today. So I want that to sink in because I want you to really think about that. What are the epiphanies in your life? What have they been in the past and what do you look forward to? Where are we going? What aha moments that God inspires in us are we going to see in the coming year? The epiphanies in today's scripture might help us kind of see where those epiphany moments might happen in the midst of our own lives. Now Isaiah was a prophet during the time when the Israelites were going into exile and facing severe difficulty and their home country was in ruins. This comes from Isaiah 61 through 6. 
Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Now for a people in exile, with their country in ruins being burned, to hear that their children were going to come back, that there was going to be return, was truly an epiphany coming from the Lord's prophet Isaiah. That God was going to do something about the situation. That there would be a day when they would again rise to prominence and that they would be blessed by God. When they would have more wealth than they knew what to do with and when all their family, all the Israelites were brought home. This was an epiphany for them when they heard Isaiah's words. The epiphany moment that they had shared that God will do something with these ruins. Now think about that. Don't make something too big out of the idea of epiphany because you might be having one in the next few weeks. Is something in your life in ruins? Something in the life of, of someone you love in ruins? Perhaps they will have an epiphany. Perhaps you might can share with them that God does things in the midst of ruin. God works miracles. God brings peace to those who are experiencing ruin. God will do something with these ruins. That's the Old Testament lectionary lesson from today. It's chosen for that reason, because it reveals Isaiah's epiphany. The next one is a little bit harder to decipher, but it's chosen for a purpose on this Epiphany Sunday. It's the Apostle Paul writing from prison, and that's the epiphany. This is somebody who is in prison for preaching the gospel. Most of us... Probably none of us in this room has any idea what it's like to be imprisoned, much less to be imprisoned in ancient Rome. He was in prison for speaking about Jesus Christ. We are very blessed to not have to worry about that in this country. But these are the words that somebody in prison, whose freedom had been taken away, decided to write from his cell. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of, his, of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, 
This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. That's from a man in prison. Boldness, confidence in our faith. Yet he's imprisoned. He can't go anywhere. He's surrounded by criminals, perhaps even violent ones. We don't know. That's his message. His epiphany is that out of prison, prison and the lack of freedom can come the opportunity to share the gospel. See, that was the Apostle Paul. We believe Ephesians was the first, scholars do, the first letter that he wrote that we have copies of. And that in doing so, he proclaimed the gospel and the opportunity to share the gospel with the Gentiles. This was brand new. Up until this point, up until Paul's ministry really, Gentiles had not been an evangelistic effort. But Paul, sitting in his prison cell, says, I've got opportunity all around me. He opens his eyes and in the moment of epiphany sees an opportunity to share the gospel in the midst of his prison. Maybe some of you feel shackled by situation, debt, jobs you may not be happy in. Look around for the epiphany moment. Look around in the coming year and see if God doesn't provide an opportunity to share the gospel. Now that does imply, though, that we have to realize it's not just about us, what makes us happy and what we want. It's also very much about furthering God's kingdom and spreading His good news to all who might be in shackles. Praise God that we are unburdened from our sin through Jesus Christ. May we share that with others. And then finally, this is the story you all know of. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. It's the visit of the wise men. It is the epiphany passage. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who, shall shep who will shepherd my people. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them the time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The story of the wise men offers us a lot of epiphany moments. First of all, they were considered wise men, yet they did something that was very unwise to us. They set out, left their hometown, and followed a star. We would never consider doing such a thing. Matter of fact, whenever that uh, Halley's Comet cult, you remember that? We called them crazy, right? We would not do that. But they had the courage to listen to God and to realize that this star meant something special. Perhaps they had knowledge of the Jewish scriptures. We don't really know. On their way to Bethlehem, they travel to Jerusalem where they meet up with King Herod. 
Another epiphany moment comes later after our scripture when they're warned in a dream, well, at the end of our scripture, where they're warned in a dream not to go back by that way. So, star chasers and dream believers. In American culture, that's not really something we support a whole lot. But that was their epiphany. Mary had an epiphany. It says she treasured all these things in her heart. The gifts of gold and frankincense. Okay, gold, Joseph probably was able to use that when their flight to Egypt, by which, remember, he had a dream that told him to marry Mary, and then he had a dream that said, now y'all move, all of you to Egypt, foreign country. We kind of laugh at people who talk in that way. But anyway, then frankincense, which was, that was a priest would use incense in worship, so that maybe that made sense for the Son of God. But myrrh, that was a bad epiphany for Mary. Myrrh was a spice that was used to anoint dead bodies. And so she realized, in Luke's gospel, we're told that, it, that she is warned by Simeon in the temple that having this son will pierce her own heart. And so we know that she treasured these things in her heart, but they weren't all precious memories. These are the epiphanies in the story. Joseph in the dream. King Herod and his paranoia would try to slay all the children to and under in Bethlehem and Joseph was warned in a dream to leave before that happened. The wise men were led by a star and then warned in a dream not to return and tell Herod they'd found the newborn king. All these epiphany moments that are found in our scriptures today culminate in one very important fact for all of us Christians. And that is that intricate events linked together to bring salvation is the way God works. You might not understand what's going on in your life. You might not understand what's happening. But I promise you, God does. God knows, and He's working it in His plan to bring salvation. It may not be to you. You may already have salvation in the sense of eternal life with Jesus and forgiveness of your sins. But He may be working in your situation, and it's affecting something else. Just like in some far-off country, wise men saw a star. And it led them to the Savior. Don't ever underestimate the complexity of God's plan. That's where we have our epiphany, is when we realize just how intricately the events of our lives are linked and how much purpose there actually is in it. Epiphany. Perhaps it should be spelled with all caps. Where are you today? Are you looking for God's epiphanies in your own life? We are called to see these epiphanies, because I think that oftentimes Christians miss them. We are so consumed by what affects us and what we've got going on that we fail to miss, or we miss what God is doing in the lives of the people around us and even in our own lives sometimes. Some of you may be dealing with ruins, like in Isaiah's passage, financial loss. You might be dealing with health problems illness, loss of a loved one. The epiphany moment for you this year, or maybe even this week or today, is that God will do something with these ruins. Maybe some of you are feeling chained and shackled, burdened by debt, or somebody else's problems, maybe even your own problems, family issues. You feel hemmed in. I'm here to tell you that out of the lack of freedom... God will provide an opportunity to share the gospel. 
And maybe things just seem like they're all chaotic and it's all a complete mess, much like the story of the wise men and Herod and Joseph and Mary. Please know that God works in an intricate way to bring about salvation. And we can't possibly see the whole thing. Where are you today? Coming off of Christmas, we tend to kind of take a dive. I'm very happy to see as many people here as there are. But a lot of times, low Sunday is the first Sunday in January. We know this. But that shouldn't be the case because coming off of Christmas, a season when we watch the light grow in the Advent candle, and each week it, it represents more and more the light of Christ getting in our lives. If you attended a candlelight service here, or, or even at, out at Slater, we had a candlelight Christmas service. And we took light from that Christ candle, the last candle lit on the Advent wreath, and we shared it with all of each other. And that is representative of the fact that the light is supposed to keep growing. And as the light grows, we're able to see more and more of the epiphany moments in our lives. Don't fall into a spiritual slumber right now. Especially not this year, because Lent comes very early. The second week in February. We actually have Easter in March. So keep up the intensity of Christmas. Let the light continue to shine, so that when you hit Lent, you'll be ready to prepare for Easter. The Epiphany celebrated after Christmas Day is one that we need to celebrate in our own lives after Christmas season. We need to be sure to not let the light go out and to continue to have those light bulb moments so that we might be the people God intended us to be. In this new year, I pray that you would thank God for the epiphany moments in your past. All of you have them. All of you know of them. Moments when God changed things forever. You might not have even recognized that it was God, but He did it. And now looking back, you can. So pray today and thank God for those moments. And then I also pray that our eyes and our ears and our hearts would be open to the epiphany moments that God has in store for us in the coming year. Amen. Would you join me in standing as we affirm our faith using the modern affirmation. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating. You're doing good. Would you please sit down, and at this time we will continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. You didn't show up. No. 
stand and let's sing together. I will find my heart. 
Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. beginning and that you can share the light of Christ as many people as you come in contact with. Have a good week.